Sold at 560. 785 the first, 785 the second, be sure. 785, third and final time, sold. The third and final time at £910,000, sold. Welcome everybody to the latest edition of the Allsop Prop Chat. My name's George Walker, I'm one of the commercial auctioneers, and I'm joined today by my partner Richard Adamson, a fellow auctioneer, and Anthony Hart, who's come all the way down from Leeds. He got here with five minutes to spare, so hearty good morning and welcome. Thank you, George. This uh, podcast will cover how do we raise £100 million in the last two auctions, but um, both residential and commercial. But also, more importantly, what's driving those buyers and sellers? Is this the right time to buy? Who knows? We'll try and answer that. Um, how does the rest of the year look? Obviously, you'd expect us to look ahead a little bit. But with our special guest, Anthony, today, we're going to bring in uh, and apply some of the principles of what we've seen in the auction room to student. Why would you consider adding student to your portfolio mix? Because it's different. It's a growing sector. And obviously, we're quite good at it. So Anthony has a, has a view on that. How was your September sale, Richard? Morning, George. Uh, how was the September sale? It was a three-day marathon sale, um, which, yeah, it was. So, you know, we catalogued 505 lots over three days, one of which was in the room, which was an awful lot of fun, and then two days live-streamed from our office. So you were a real live auctioneer again, waving yeah. your arms around. Yeah, three days, three days of being a real auctioneer, which was great fun. Um, and it's, it's, as I say, it's been, it's been a marathon, blood, set and tears. The market is, is challenging, but what we've certainly demonstrated of, for us, raising sixty-five million in three, three days, and, and coupled with you guys totaling that to hundred million, yeah. there is a market there. And we always say this: it's a price, it's a price sensitivity point. And if you get the pricing right and you get vendors that are committed to the process and trust it and price it right, there are buyers out there for the weird and wonderful so things how does the stock, country. I mean, you had three days. Did you classic all sort of variety of stock, probably from 2 million or actually you had 4 million down, 4 million out of 40,000. How did you spread it over the three days? Well, believe it or not, in terms of the pricing, um, we sold a lot for 50 pounds. And we sold a lot for four point two million pounds. Stupid quote low. Yeah. So it's it's it was the weird and the one and everything. In terms of how we split the auction up, we went geographically. So day one right. was predominantly depending on where you draw the line, London Can and the South East. The fifty pounds. Did that does our system allow for that? Yeah, it, what was it? It was a parking space. <laughs> of course it was. Um it was a parking space in, in, in South East London. Um well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But um, yes, yes. I mean, it's the weird, the wonderful in every single price there, and it was nationwide. So 505 lots. Day one was Lon- predominantly London and the South East, if you call Luton London. Um, and then down from there, and then and then the days two and three were North East and North West. Okay. Any common themes? Just loads of buyers? What sort of numbers of buyers do you get registered for 505 lots? Well, I have to say, we, we, as you do it the same, I know, you know, we do really analyse the data in terms of how many people are in the market. And as you'd expect, the more lots you have, you should have more people buying by virtue of that. So we, like us, I mean, we can, you can see at any one point how many registered buyers there are. They will pay you £10,000 for the right to bid. Ex- so exactly. What was it looking like? So we had day one was about 700 which is higher than we've had probably for 12, for 12 months, for one day. Day two and day three together was 1,600. So it's, it's, it's a lot of people registered to bid. In terms of common themes, 
day two and day three by virtue of location to a degree was lower value stuff and those buyer pools as you might expect at times like this are deeper than than when you go further up the food yeah, chain. Yeah, when it's a couple hundred thousand there's lots more people. There is, yeah. Um, and it, predominantly a lot of the stuff we were selling was vacant houses and therefore it will appeal to large large investors that want to have big portfolios and already do but also new entrants or smaller vendors that want but to buy up as well. You mentioned you actually did sell one or two to people who want to live in it which is yeah yeah we still do get people that will come into the market as end users that hasn't changed it's probably not as much as it was a year two years ago but they're still there and how many people are buying building up a portfolio straight from the auction room buying more than one lot i mean Quite a few. We had a lot of multiple bidders. A lot of people. We, we had quite a lot of, of concentration in certain areas. So twenty houses in Derby, twenty houses in Northampton, twenty houses in Luton. So we built up a really, really good so database of buyers. Precisely. But but equally, you know, there were buyers coming from London, and other areas, because the pricing was right. We're prepared to go elsewhere and go so to places deal they driven. wouldn't I mean, go. It's what I'm yeah. finding increasingly with our market. It's just deal driven. People mm. does the deal work now? I mean, discuss. Doesn't yeah. matter where it is. Yeah, and also going back to the, you know, if, if there's an opportunity in this market to buy something and add value to it, whether it's just basic stuff like a refurb of a house or extension of a lease or, or planning gain, that is still really appealing to people. And for obvious reasons, it's a good time to be tying yourself up with adding value. Um, and one thing that we found with pricing is that is that I think you do a great deal more overage than we do because it's quite hard to value these, these, these houses. But looking at the pricing, where, where vendors are realistic, you do get the overage. I mean, that, that's the key to auctions working, isn't it? It, it is. And it's such a cliche and it's easy for auctioneers to say to sellers because it's not our money. But if you have two identical assets, one, one guy did it at 250 and one guy did it at 350, the one for 250 will sell for more. It generates that market, it generates that excitement, it shows commitment to the sales process and it works every time. But I fully accept that's easier said than done. We've got vendors at the moment that are happy to be led by the market and that makes the job easier. It's still tough, but it makes the job easier in generating interest. In auction has been banging on about this since time immemorial, I think. Absolutely right. Um, but, but I've done some analysis in our auction room. The top five most popular lots, we had you know, the most popular 15 registered bidders. It's not like you and you have 46 registered bidders. But, you know, 15 was the most registered bidders. And the average overage in that top five was about 140% of the original guide price because the vendors happened to take the price and they weren't receivers. Only one receivership sale in there. Um, but it's what's interesting is going across the sectors, there's no commonality. Care homes, convenience store, bedding shop, um, you know, uh, in tool station in Lewisham, uh, dentists. It is only the only common theme is the vendors are saying, right, I do want to sell it. I want to sell it now. Therefore, we get a dozen people registered to bid. And that's as common. Uh, and people say that's what receivers, receivers do. Well, actually, it's what savvy sellers do. And that's kind of needed in our market. What I would like to know is, in terms of yields, there's always been, I've listened to you guys and read, obviously, what you write and what happens in senior results, a disparity between different sectors in terms of yield. Is there sort of flight to quality now that yields are, are similar in different sectors? It's all about the covenant. I think the we did an article 12 months ago. It's not all about yield. Uh, and I think even more now, it's about the real estate. You used to have low yields, high street, low yields out of town. Offices would get a bit stronger. Then industrials beat the whole thing and came down to 3.5%. So yields made up of so many things, it's actually quite hard to judge. Basically, in our market, what people have as an option is 6.2% from national savings for 12 months, guaranteed by the government as much as you want. So the marker for us is you've got to be you know, 7.5% is where people start looking because that is a bit of a risk premium. So in any sector... That's important. Clearly, if it's a cost of coffee on 40 years outside town with an RPI increase, they'll pay more than that. But if it's, a, if it's an office building, which is multi-let in, you know, tertiary part or secondary part of the country, they want a lot more yield to play for the risk. 
that's as simple as that. And we see yields much higher than you do in your market. So, so the days of anything below 5% period yeah, are not there? pretty thin. We, we had a couple of lots below 5%. They were probably small and very, very long low. But we now have 5.5%, 6% is, is what we think is punchy yield. So the, I think the most 60, the dentists we had in last auction, 10 dentists, all on long leases, that was average 5.8%. So the buyers are thinking, well, the rent's going to grow. And in that case, the rent looks like they will grow. They're very decent buildings. They're modest rents. So there's a rent review to be had. So then they get the yield above that 5.8%. But 6, 6.5% is a kind of marker. And each sector really has to be defined by that. Uh, to get it, below that is it, pretty punchy. Although our markets are very different at times, the same sentiment is there for us. You know, and I think I might have said it before, but... In London and the southeast, and the more prime you get over the past decade, investors have comfortably accepted really low yields. One, because their borrowing costs are very low, but two, because they were certainly in London southeast were expecting pretty good capital growth over a period of time. Yeah, but if you've owned, if you've had a, an, anything residential the last thirty years, you've seen capital growth every five year period. You've seen capital growth, and and there's the difference. So you may only have a two or three year, two or three percent return on your flat in Waterloo, but it's gone up by five percent every. Absolutely year. right. So but there's the that's where it's shifted now for us is that at this moment in time and obviously everyone tries to forecast a little bit is that your borrowing costs are above five percent so why would you take a yield at level unless you're getting capital growth which you're not necessarily or certainly not at the rates you were before so we're feeling the same sort of you know when we're looking at stuff and people saying well two years ago i was going to get five percent for that that ast or that block you yeah. actually it's, it's now you're doing well for seven and a half percent so it has really shifted in our market I think one, the one big difference before we come on to the student sector is, is that a, a vacant commercial letting, it's very, very hard to put a number on what it's worth. But clearly, a flat everywhere in the UK has got a tenant waiting to occupy it. So, you know, there's a big difference. Good time here to introduce Anthony. So, you're based in Leeds. You cover yeah. the UK, I think. We do, yeah. Yeah, well, I think kind of from Dundee. We've sold in Dundee and all the way down Still to the South Coast. Yeah, uh, and Southampton. So all oh, over really? the place, yeah. You must do some miles. Falmouth, Exeter. We do, yeah. We do okay. do some miles. Yeah. So what's the lot size? What sort of yields are we talking? What, For us, I mean, um, you know, we place ourselves in a market where we're quite happy to do uh, some smaller lot sizes, those being, you know, 5 million to, say, 20, 25 million, which in our space is actually smaller lot sizes than, say, average. You know, m- most two, 300-bed buildings, you know, 50-plus million. So, you know, actually, we're quite happy in that space. With our business at Allsop, we have a good we have a good ability to tap into that into that investor. You advise people as well in terms of actually from building from the ground up yeah. to, to get the end product right for the investor. Yeah, which is challenging at the moment, right? Yeah, I bet. Because so crucified by build costs, I assume. We are, yeah, which has a massive effect in, in the sector because then it affects affordability for the student as well. Because, of course, to get development appraisal stack at the moment, we're having to push rents. And what's the sort of history for 10 years in, in you know, per space in Newcastle? Where's the rent? Is it is it just chipped up every year? Well, last year, I mean, from the 2022-23 academic year to this current academic year, Newcastle, for instance, saw, no notes, by the way, 20, I think 12% uplifting rents. Did it really? Yeah. So double-digit uplifting rents. Uh, is that the same across the country? It's not, no. I mean, actually, in some markets, you've seen negative. It's an interesting to- topic of conversation, actually, because people talk about student accommodation as if there's demand and rental growth everywhere. But in actual fact, it's more nuanced. I mean, some markets, and I'm not afraid of saying, um, that uh, you know they are oversupplied at the moment. So therefore, the competition for beds is, is high, and therefore operators, Competition investors, for tenants yeah, is high. Yeah. So, uh, go on, one or two towns... Don't you say it? Yeah, top two, bottom two. 
Oh, goodness me, I don't like doing that. I mean, Bristol, top two with Edinburgh, probably. The top two in terms of yeah, demand, gl- rental, improving. And Glasgow, um, Manchester, Newcastle, they're all up there at the moment. And then bottom, oh, you don't want to do this to me. I mean, we places, do. That's places. what you're here for. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of talk about Coventry at the moment, but Coventry's got good um, student numbers and good student growth um, in terms of both universities in Warwick and University of Coventry itself. However, what happened there was, I was just suffering some indigestion, too many purpose-built student beds delivered in, at the same time. And when you find this across the country, where you've got cities like Coventry, and there are others, you know, where you've got good availability of land and student accommodation feels like a, an easy option, y- y- you do get a situation where you know, there's, there's a, a lot in the planning pipeline and a lot delivered. Um, so how special is it? I mean, if you're, if you're yeah. going to put 25 million into a, a student setup, and I always think it's dominated by corporates. If you look at Rich's clients and my clients, they've got portfolios, they're really good at managing that. Do you, do you build a block and get it let to one operator? Or does it, how, how many of these bigger schemes are direct? Okay, so to answer your first question, the sector is very diverse, it's very mature. So you do have, we deal with a lot of high net worths and, and families who have delivered smaller schemes of, say, 50, 60, 70 beds in a given town or city. And are those people with 50 beds, mm-hmm. randomly take yeah. a town extra, yeah. are they let it, have they let it one person? No, so what, what they generally do is they appoint a manager or operator. Um, on site? Yeah, on site, uh, who does the day-to-day operating and letting of the building. But it's what we call direct let mostly. The student sector is every year, every cycle, um, you let your bedrooms. Um, and so that building direct. has its own website, own booking facility, local manager, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you you know, for a larger scheme, for example, or even some you know, some smaller schemes, you might deploy a, a national operator, you know, the likes of Homes to, Homes to Student, um, CRM, Host, there's, there's lots of them. Yeah, we know we know nothing about that. <laughs> what does, yeah, what does what does that? How does that impact? Obviously, netting down the rent. So, yeah. what sort of charge does that cost? So, I mean, typically. The higher your rental um, tone, um, sort of lower gross to net. So you know it generally costs very similar amounts of money to operate a student accommodation beds. So if you're if you're running at sort of three hundred pound a week building, which nationally um, it would be quite a high rent, uh, then then you know it's, it might cost you a little bit more to operate that building because you might be providing some more services to the students. But generally speaking, it's it's the same if you're getting paid ninety quid. For a, for a room elsewhere, is it really? if, you know, because you're paying the utility costs, which is the main driver of of, of, of the cost. Okay. So, so, so the the community charge of the individual tenants pay that. Yeah. So you're so as a landlord, you're paying utilities. Yeah. Management. Yeah. Insurance. Yeah. So it's, it's like an so, AST yeah. type of thing. Yeah. But yeah. You mentioned other services. Yeah. You're talking snooker halls and vending machines. I am. Yeah. Really? Yeah, so, you know, if you're paying three... Your three, pot noodle vending machine. <laughs> oh, you should see some of these student schemes now. I've seen um, glamping pods. What? Yeah, 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 slides. Um, slides. Yeah, 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 within the communal spaces. You know, if you want to go from one level to the other, you can slide down to the ground floor. <laughs> you know, I, you know, your cinemas now is, 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 is can be quite a, a common... Or is that standard? Uh, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Um, you know, good standard as well. Even you hear things like recording studios and you see all sorts. Are they sort of cluster flats? I remember being cluster flats mm. with shared facilities. Is yeah. it still a similar setup where you have many communities within the building that are sharing some... Yeah. communal space yeah well i think that's i just i want to touch on that actually because that's kind of an important point um because one of the 
questions I get often asked is, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at developing some student accommodation. Should I build studios or should I build non-suite clusters or cluster accommodations or Tudio as they call them now where you've, I won't go into it, but there's such Indeed, a thing. that's what we're here for. What's a studio? <laughs> it's essentially two small studios and then you have a sort of open lounge area as well to share. The answer to that question is that, yes, they still do exist. And really when you're looking at building student accommodation or developing student accommodation designing um, you need to think about the university and you need to think about the demographics of the university and you need to think about where the students are coming from so for example you know if you if you if your university is heavily domestic students then you might look at you know investing in hmos for example or you might look at investing in cluster flats as you said maybe with ensuite accommodation because they're at a slightly lower price point but if you're looking at um, investing in a university where there's high numbers of international students then we see lots of student studio accommodation studio accommodation even one bed apartment because they want a bit more perfect because they want a bit more privacy that services that clientele well so it's it, student is horses for courses right you've got to really understand the market that you're delivering into and what that market needs at that point in time it's a mature market so you need to look at what already exists in that town or city yeah. what it's missing you know what the gro- where's the growth in the student numbers what demographic is growing here uh, what courses do they do? You know, all sorts of things you need to consider. So it's, it's not unlike uh, office or a shop. Just where's the, you know, where's the demand? Mm. Where's the growth, growth coming from? Mm. So the actual operating that isn't isn't so difficult, but it does probably imply a local mm. manager, doesn't it, when mm. you get to any scale? But going, going back to, I, I, it's my ignorance, but in terms of if you're looking at a total rent of a building, I appreciate it's a sliding scale depending on how much the manager's doing. Sorry, well, you know, if you've got a, a half mm. a million pound rent coming in, mm. gross. Mm. What's the sliding scale yeah. and what that nets back to? Yeah, so say if you're renting your building for, say, 85, 90 quid a week, then you're probably 50% gross to net. Really? No one likes to talk about that, but that's just the truth. Because it comes back to my point that utility costs aren't, aren't any different to managing so a building. So you need work. to be a bit more prime. Start with the three. Yeah, I mean, well, you you just need to consider that when when we consider that when we're pricing, right? You know, But, but, but as an average, it's probably somewhere between 25 and 30%. You know, as an average, as a, as, a, as a sort of ballpark figure, and and operating costs are generally somewhere around two and a half thousand pounds a bed. If you're going to put me on the spot, that's kind of where we are. So you've no, something else you've avoided brilliantly <laughs> is the kind of yield. What net yield can you expect? I mean, if you're putting twenty five million into the into the sector, yeah. So we've seen um, a switch, I think, recently. So for an institutional product, by that I mean, you know, something with scale, 250, 300 beds delivered within the last sort of five years, meets all the regular um, new building regulations, etc. Something that's very clean and a good city. We probably haven't seen that significant of a yield shift. We were probably somewhere around the 5% mark net of all costs. You know, if you were to give me a prime building in a prime city right now, say 300 beds, I don't think we'd be too far from that now. I think it's still five, five and a quarter. And that's driven by the fact that there is not a huge availability of stock at the moment. Last year, the sector did about seven and a half billion pounds of the transactions. Uh, This year, that'll be half, right? So you are not seeing as many good quality operational assets come into market. But not Therefore, so, not many of our buyers. You're sitting in a room with two scruffy auctioneers, okay? yeah. so not many of our guys are going to be wielding 300 million. <laughs> so when they're at 25 mil and it's, yeah. and it's in Exeter, yeah. um, okay, so then we and s- where, where does your, did, did your yield skyrocket? Yeah. We are. We are starting to see those uh, those yields those yields push out, and herein lies, I think, a very good opportunity. You could buy a hundred bed building next door to a three hundred bed building, and I reckon you could probably get 
um, the 100 bed building pick it up for 7% net you know, okay. close to, and your 300-bed building still sits So the right so time to buy. He said it. He said it here. Well, I think the opportunity is, okay, this sector seems mad about scale. You know, it's all about quantum. But, you know, why not do quantum in a different way and buy some smaller buildings where mm. you can... Diversify the risk a bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's interesting yeah. because you and I have done some some work together before. We have. Particularly earlier this year, I forget the exact month it was, but it, we sold uh, two buildings in Leicester, mm-hmm. which were, I suppose you'd probably call sort of tertiary mm-hmm. student, but they were more HMO styles, period buildings that were converted nicely. Yeah, And they've, top of my head, were broadly, on a, I'm looking at gross, mm-hmm. were broadly around about bang on 10% gross, yeah. which if you're saying 30% is coming yeah, off that, 25 or 30% it, 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 starts, it does show that. Yeah. And, and and that sector is, is our sector as well as yours. Yeah. And that, that does still seem to be... Now, that was bought by a local dentist in Leicester that spent yeah. £2.4 million because he wanted to wanted some income and wanted to take his money out of the bank because of, because of inflation and whatnot. So there is a crossover there without, without question. Mm. And in terms of going back a bit, and I know it's not that nice to talk about, but what happened during COVID? Was it a bump in the road for you? Did the market change forever? Did what students want change as a consequence of that? How did that impact and what are the repercussions now? Listen, from an an agent's perspective, it was, um, you know, all the deals that we were working on stopped and everyone didn't lose sight of the fact that the macroeconomics around student remained strong and that the reasons for buying that building hadn't changed. But the focus immediately became on, okay, like, operationally we need to look after the students that are in situ at the moment so there was a big focus from all the businesses that we were dealing with and all the people that we were dealing with at the time to the um the students themselves and okay when well, this is secondary now we need to deal with and making sure that we're looking after our tenants and i think that what the outcome of that has been um we've probably seen an enhanced environment for students in terms of how these buildings are operated and the, the care that's taken and the and the well-being actually so the, the tenant winners won out right? I, I think so yeah i think there's been a lot of focus on that since since covid and i think that's probably one of the positives that has come out of it but the overseas market is still pretty strong the overseas market is very strong yeah i think for you overseas know, students, I mean, that's... Yeah, naturally, you're always, you know, exposed to the political events. And, you know, if you're um, if, if you're a higher-end, higher-specification building and you're trying to attract, say, for example, Chinese students, Middle Eastern students who, generally speaking, have the highest budgets, then you are exposed to that um, political environment. But we don't see the growth in those numbers um, slowing. Um, the growth in Chinese student numbers is particularly strong. And, you know, that does drive quite a lot of investment into the sector. It really does. It will do. And they like a particular type of product. Good. Mm -hmm. Okay. well, that's really useful. We learn a lot there. Perhaps time we should cover our market. What's it going to look like the rest of the year? How's it going to be? Oh, how's it going to be? Another 505 at auction, Richard? Crystal ball Well, well, possibly. Next auction's the 2nd of November, and we're putting that together now, and that could be quite a big one, two, maybe three days. So watch this space. Um, How do I see it? Uh, I think much of the same. I, I think much like your market, there's been a lot of investors waiting for, we say, the market to settle. Yeah. And, I th- and what I mean by that is that, and a lot of people are saying this, is that when interest rates stop or we feel they're close to stopping and they're plateauing a little bit, yeah. granted it impacts the market, but at least you've got a base point to start from. And I feel like a lot of people are waiting to see is it the so bottom of the said, market. So Hartie just said, although he didn't think he sell it, this is now the right time to buy. Put me on the spot. Your market? Yeah, I do think it is. I I think there are, it feels to me compared to August and the middle of summer that there are more buyers in the market. We are getting more realistic vendors as a consequence. And that's the equilibrium you want. 
vendors become more realistic, buyers getting back in the market, and I feel like we're there now. Yeah. So I think it is a good time to buy. You can never call the market top or bottom at the right time, but I think it's a good time to buy. There's opportunity there. And as you said earlier, George, rents are going up. House building has come to a grinding halt. We've got a problem in this country with housing. Yeah. So logic would suggest there's going to be a demand, whether it's for owner-occupation or it's for investors to let them out. And that will never change. And that's the same with us. I mean, you know, we're not delivering it in anywhere near enough student accommodation beds um, in, as we need to be um, to service demand. You know, I said earlier, it's nuanced. There's different areas of the country that differ. But, but generally speaking, that's true. And therefore, what's going to happen? Rents will grow. Rents will grow. Rents will grow. Well, I mean, the commercial market is, is, is I think that the, the sellers aren't quite there in terms of accepting. They're not all as a mass there accepting the price. The difference, of course, is that when you've got a long lease in a building, and you've got debt to pay. If the rent's coming in, tenants have stopped going bust largely. Obviously, we've just had Wilco's, but that's been rumbling for two years. Um, the, the, the failure rate has subsided, um, so rents are going to keep ticking along. Nice to hear rental growth talked about in the room from you, you, you two fellows. It's not quite as strong in our market, and there are bits where obviously rents are falling. But the retail rent, our meat and drink, that seems to be pretty solid. And everyone who has a retail portfolio seems to be reporting that they can get these, these buildings let. Um, but there isn't as much pressure when you've got income coming in on a five-year lease to get things sold. I think it'll happen. Um, people will slightly fall out of love with things, uh, move them on as everyone rationalises the portfolio every time or every year anyway. So there will be those moments. And I think our market is just about getting to the point where people are saying, well, okay, it wasn't the same price it was in May 23. What's it now and, and, and what can you get for it? And as we've seen, I'm my little analysis of the five most popular lots, it's all about getting the pricing right to start with. If you show intent as a seller, you'll get competition. And if you get half a dozen people bidding against each other, you get an exit price. And I think that I challenge anyone to look at the five examples from the last auction going back. I think the pricing goes back pre-truss. Um, remember that September last year, the pricing is as good as it was in the middle of 22, um, where vendors have said, right, I'm gonna, I want this sold. You get half a dozen people bidding against each other and those exit prices are very very solid what kind of buildings were in the top five of the most popular well i think that's the point when i analyzed it it's it, there's no consistency right. which is actually you know we'd normally bang on about retail yields or, or the drive-throughs being in the most popular sector there isn't really consistency except for the sellers who said right i want to sell it so the dentists all had long leases i suppose the dentists had very long lease 2036 there was a, a child's care home which had another 29 years unexpired on the lease annual RPI, so there's the commonality there. Um, the dentist is a relatively modest lot size, three quarters of a million quid. Um, in Lewisham in London, City Corporation sold a big building, and people love buying off those institutions. They always feel they can get ahead. You know, they haven't hasn't been managed the worst it could have been six flats to let into in a rising rental market in London. That was a, a two million pound, two million and fifty pound sale. So that was a very solid sale. Um, it's where people feel comfortable. And all those bits of real estate were, you know, a little industrial unit, again, third most popular. Our market has been starved of industrial because, you know, it's been so easy to sell up to now. People, it doesn't come to the wider market. Agents tend to ping it off to their, their known buyers. So to get one in public with six bidders on it, I think the yield was 5.5%. So that's breaking the 6.2. That's yeah. getting below 6% because the buyers have been starved of, of supply. So that's really, really helpful and that, that obviously implies rental growth. Um, Just picking up on yields, actually, from what you were saying earlier, there seems to be consistency across what you were saying in the commercial market, residential auction market, and why I'm saying where I'm dealing with privates in the, in the, in the, in the, in the student space where the sort of um, golden position seems to be late 6 7% there or thereabouts at the moment. Um, I was just uh, you know, interesting that 
there's some commonality there between even these three yeah, very I mean, different markets. Real estate is 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 a yield play. So when you're you know buying a flat in in Clapham at two percent, you're the by implication you're assuming that the capital value is going to go up, and those days are you know a little bit gone for the moment. Or you're borrowing um, for next to nothing. And you're borrowing for next to nothing. I mean, I, you look at what the the, the the operators in the last fifteen years have had it pretty easy. <laughs> so I think there's a not a wide acceptance that that, that things are going to be hard. But if you're borrowing money at seven and a half percent. You really got to make get those bill costs right, and you got to get the tenant right and the lease length right in our world, and and, and get it all ticking nicely to get your exit um, with the profit you want. Um, that's a change if it's a change of position. And it is, and I, I think it's getting used to. I think you know before we sort of round up and and summarise, I think I think we accept, and as auctioneers, we I always say this, you know, we are and we accept we're a barometer of the market, and we're in a very privileged position to be able to tell people with fact rather than sentiment as to where the market really is. Back with sentiment as well, of course, because that's important. And and there is a market there. That's the key leave, leave behind for me is that there's a market there. We've got buyers in the market. A lot of them are cash. Some of them raising debt after the event. And there's plenty of appetite. It is just getting the price right. And and, and when it, we're in a buyer's market in all sectors, it feels like the best way for a seller to take, take control of that in our market, in the auction market, is to be aggressive with the price. And suddenly, you've taken flag out there saying there's a reason to buy this. Yeah, and yeah. then suddenly you've got an auction. You know, you've got three, four, five, six, seven, eight buyers because you created competition. And again, I know it's easy to say, but that's what's happened to us in the past few auctions. And the results. And, and our sellers itself. are finding that are beginning yeah. to accept it. I mean, turnover is right down in commercial markets across the board. We're no exception. Um, and, and but I, I feel it's it's gonna it's coming back as as sellers except that it ain't what it was and, and they may need to start trimming in their portfolios. Yes, and we learn There's a always lot. a buyer for it. Yeah, and we learn a lot. You know, we, we measure ourselves in lots of things, one of which is success rates. And our success rate in the last auction was over three days, 86%. I can't remember it being 86% for over a decade. It's almost unbelievable. Actually, I've seen the spreadsheets. It's true. Yeah, it's true. But but I, but I think it's key that we, we learn just as much from what we don't sell as what we do yeah. sell. And that's information we have. And we're happy to share and speak to sellers about what the market's doing, what it doesn't like, what it won't pay, but also we can demonstrate what it will pay. And that's really powerful. Yeah, what's hot and what's not. George, your print deadline, or we should say print, it's not print, launch deadline for your next catalogue is the same as us. Uh, how's yours shaping up? Yeah, we've got a, a decent auction um, stacking up, really. It's probably a bit bigger than the last one. Um, it's encouraging. Tesco's uh, had their first dip into some leasebacks in the last auction, and we've got some more for them next time, some Tesco's and one-stops. Interesting, Farm Foods, who Farm Foods, I think, first started auctions in 2003, um, and they've done a, occasional forays into auctions, but again, we've got a couple of leasebacks for them. So when those corporate sellers um, you know, say, right, Let's offer some stock. There isn't much good stock around. So it's quite a nice indication of what we do. And let's say it works well. I think the buyers, buyers will be there. Um, things are stabilizing. Interest rates, let's hope they're reaching that tabletop position when they're going to come down shortly. Who knows? But yeah, it's looking okay. Um, and uh, yeah, goes live on the 13th, Friday the 13th, same as yours. Yeah, I know. What could possibly go <laughs> Why wrong? Why do we do that? <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Um, final comments. Student sector is obviously here to stay. It's finding its feet. Is pricing stabilizing? Is it improving generally? Yeah, no, I think it's black spots. I think it's stabilizing. Um, I think we, you know, there's good opportunity for those small lot sizes. There really is. Um, By small lot sizes, are you talking five million? Yeah, I'm talking talking five, ten, two, even to ten million. You know, no, there really is. Um, And so, uh, for some of our investors, it may be a good chance to diversify. I I think so. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And Richard, your take on. 
just I, consistent. Yeah, I think it's. It, I sort of said it before, but the the market there is there is positivity out there. It's not all doom and gloom. There is a market in all sectors of residential yeah. across the country. Its pricing is the key, as always. Yeah. But um, I think the, the, it's a good time to buy, in my view. There we yeah, we go. I got him to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say the same. The time to buy is when it works for you. And I think I've just written a piece actually, which will go live. Um, but it's it, each individual investor is so different, and, and if they like, they're all deal driven. So that used to be fifty percent were buying their local. Now it's fifteen percent buying the local local asset because the rest of them are deal driven. They will drive to Carlisle and they will buy a cinema if they want to because it works for them. I think that's really key. Each person's tax position, finance position, cash position is really different, and that's actually one of the joys of our market. I was just saying earlier to to Cluffy actually. So um, before I go, I must say, Hearty, thanks for coming down from Leeds. No, I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you for Good to see me. you. It beats doing this in a, tra- a service station in Carlisle, which was what we did last time. Um, and it's goodbye from me, George Walker. And if you'd like to give any feedback um, to the Allsop team, um, requests are always welcome. Podcasts at allsop.co.uk will get straight to us and so we can include what you want to hear in the next round, which will be a little bit more of a commercial focus. Follow us on Spotify. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>